We've uh, it's been a little while since we just been me and you here. Yeah, <laughs> we've had guests who we had uh, uh, Steve Kinker from Kinker Taxidermy yep. in. We've had Jeremy Flynn from Stone Road Media. We've had Chad Belding on the phone. Yep. Uh, yeah, we kind of got into the guest thing, and it's uh, which people, I don't hate. No, I love it. People <laughs> seem to like it too. So yeah, that's a great thing. But it's kind of nice just to be back and and talk just two of us yeah and we got a lot of stuff going on you know personally professionally anyway so we gotta i feel like we have a lot to cover that we haven't been able to get to in the last few weeks we do and your podcast haircut is nice thank it's you a nice touch. she messed it up a little bit but i can live with it yeah, no worries all right well uh here's the thing we're now second third week of july <clears throat> season starting in earnest now i think after the fourth of july hunters are ready to get going they're they're a little they're a little antsy they're a little ready to get out to the lease and at least walk around or walk go out to your public ground areas um and the outdoor channel the sportsman's channel begin airing their new programs and that really seems to amp things up so uh i know you and i are planning on going out on sunday, sunday. um here in the midwest we had a real problem with getting corn planted i mean we it was so wet you had to call the landowner just to see if they were going to plant yeah. Period. Yeah, we it it was so wet for so long. I mean, the farmers just couldn't get in the fields, right? And we were kind of up against it. Now they probably, I'm sure they would have planted beans. Yeah. Uh, but it was beans last year. We were kind of looking forward to hunting corn this year. Um, and then lo and behold, yeah, I went out there ten days ago, yeah. twelve days week, ago, week and a half or yeah, so. Yeah, and we've got corn three inches tall. I'm like, oh, okay. Because you were talking, what they do. you were talking to someone about how late they planted the corn on our fields and. I, I guess it was my understanding that they would just have to harvest it later, but that doesn't sound like that's the case. I'm not a farmer. Um, but, of course, you know, we, we have a good friend that, that knows all about that kind of stuff. Um, there's 100-day corn, so they could plant corn that matures in 100 days. It would be mature, and then it just counts on being dry enough. You know, it's got to be dry enough <clears throat> for them to, to be able to harvest it yeah. and, and the combine not get bogged down, so... Yeah, he says we'll be fine. Normal he says schedule. probably probably pretty pretty normal actually. Good. Um, but yeah, what I really liked was it's beans next door to us. Yeah. And so we've got to stand right on one particular trail. Yep. A hundred yards, if that, from the timber. So they're going to walk through the corn. Yeah. And I promise you, when we're in that stand, if you're not paying attention, you look up, they'll be standing there. There'll be one stand there going his way to the beans. I feel really good because we went out. We took, uh, I believe you connor took connor out and he helped us move that stand closer to that trail oh, yeah, that you're right. talking about and i just the more i think about it how many deer we saw there last last mm -hmm. season it's just it feels like the spot to be yeah and since with the rifles are legal here in indiana right. now we still can reach out and touch them on that the trail that we were on it, it where we had it originally it was just a gun stand yes and now it, it's more of a y y there's definitely an opportunity with a bow in that stand where it's at now and it's a better gun stand yeah because now we can actually reach back where we were so yep. that's a good thing and i was just talking to tom james here a little bit ago from base camp real estate base camp country real estate and we were talking about showing him the picture of the lease i'm like you know this is what we're thinking but I, you know this food plot if it were here what do you think and he was like hey he wasn't very high on it yeah um and he said how about this he goes how about in a couple of these little coves once the, the corn starts to really get up, you know, high enough. Because we just got to hold them for a yeah. for just a little yeah. bit. Yeah, he said walk through with a, a hand sprayer about every fourth or fifth row for three or four rows. And just, he said, you're not doing anything to corn. The corn's fine. It'll grow. And then when they come by and combine the corn, all of a sudden, they're, there you go. You got a bit of a little mini food plot. It's funny when you talk to Tom about stuff like that. It's, he makes it seem so simple. 
And then right. I wonder, I wonder, am I overcomplicating this, or is he just that that knowledgeable on this topic that it just seems effortless when he just comes up with a plan like that? It's years of experience, and that's probably the thing I've learned since I've gotten a little older. When I was younger, if I saw somebody do something, I'm like, well, if they can do it, I can do it. Right. I still get that way. That's because you're younger. Yeah. <laughs> I now can admit I can see a lot of different people in different walks of life. I can't do that. Yeah. I cannot do that. I can't do that. Yeah. And so it's just I have a much better, more appreciation for years of experience, natural talent. And I'm talking about professional athletes, you know. Aside right. from dunking a basketball, uh, I, I still see things. I'm like, yeah, I can do that. Do we uh, – a little side note, I was up for the 4th of July. I went up nor- northern Indiana and spent time with my family and my brother and, and his wife and kid and stuff. And um, the UFC fights were on Saturday night, and my mom and my stepdad are not – fight fans and my stepdad he's a golf guy he's very passive he just doesn't it's not his thing two polar opposites right i know and uh you know he was watching some of these smaller guys fight like the 135ers and stuff and i'm 250 pounds i'm a I'm 6'1 250 i'm a big guy and he's telling me he's like there's no way that a 135 pound guy fighting that cage would win a fight against you and i'm like i'm telling you it's a, it's, there's levels to it. They would, they would kill me. They would wreck me. But that's me understanding like, oh, I just can't do certain things. Cause the arrogant approach right. would be like, oh yeah, you're 140 pounds. I can do whatever I want. And that's just not the case. So it's funny when, to hear Tom talk about food, food plot stuff. Cause it's like, oh, all he has to do is just throw seed down. I can do that. But it's, it's, there's so much more nuance in it. And he just oh, yeah. effortlessly describes it. Yeah. And he, I mean, I thought it was a great idea. I've, and I mean, I've been hunting a while. I've never heard of that. Right. Like, okay. Yeah, that's a great idea. I always thought when uh, I would watch women's basketball when I was 30-ish that, and I actually this is true, I still hold this, that me and four of my buddies could have beat any WNBA team. You think so? I do. I do back then. Two things have happened. One, I've gotten old and I can't jump over a phone book. Two, (laughs) the women have gotten way better. They're way better. You know, yeah, so there's no way. Um, Yeah, it's it's. It's kind of funny to see that kind of stuff, but um, before we get started, now that we, you know, I know we're hanging stands on Sunday. It's, we have to mention tree stand safety. Yeah, um, I think you know, I, and I, as I recall, and I had a tree stand safety foundation meeting a couple weeks ago, um, that the reported deaths uh, for tree stand falls last year was single digits. That's that's. Fantastic! It's going in the right you know, direction. It absolutely sure. is going in the right direction. And hopefully it continues to do that. But I, I want to take just a second. If you're going to hang stands here in the next couple of weeks, first of all, if the ABCs, you know, always um, always check your stands. Check. Buckle up, you know, in your harness. Connect. Um, what's the C? Connect. Connect. Before you leave right. the ground. Connect on your lifeline. I'm on the board. I probably should remember that. But uh, the other thing is inspect all your straps. That's, that's what I want to touch on today real quick is just – if you're hanging stands, check them out. You know, take when you go out there, take a, a little small monkey wrench or crescent wrench. Um, take a socket set, and when you go up, if you ha- if you did not take your stands down, as you go up, connect it to your lifeline, tighten the bolts, yeah. check the straps, the squirrels, the the weather. You know, it's all going to degrade the straps and the the cables themselves. The first time you put your weight on one of those, and it's just like a trap door opens yeah. up, you're in trouble. So. You know, just inspect your stands, your ladders, your straps. Wear a harness even when you're hanging a stand, um, and, and just be careful because it's that time of year where people are starting to get back out there. It's a preventative thing that it, it takes a little bit of effort. And look, most of the the tree stands guys have, inexpensive or not, they're they're well built. You know, mm-hmm. more than likely 
nothing's wrong with it, but do yourself the favor of just, just checking because then you know you have the peace of mind. You don't have to worry about it and you could just go on about your business, whether you're planting a food, food plot or whatever the case is. You know that that stand is good to go when you come back in the fall and you want to get into it. Yeah, and I would strongly encourage you to not cut any corners when you – nothing more infuriates me more than hanging a stand and having one thing not quite right. You know, well, we didn't have a pull rope, so I just left it. And then when you come back in the middle of October, you yeah. climb up, your, you get to your tree stand, like, ah, darn it, I forgot we didn't put a pull rope on this Dude, one. Dude, I f- took the seat cushion off of one of them, and I forgot to put it back. It's another thing. Oh. Yeah, it's painful. It's miserable. So I don't even know. really love sitting in for extended periods of time anyways and just sitting on a metal grate. Forget about it, dude. <laughs> I just take off my jacket or something, set on that. But it's uh, yeah. I mean, you get organized, man. Just just set everything. I set everything you need for a complete set together. And when you get out there, you just take it all out there together, and you know it's it'll save you in the long run. I know yep. that for sure. So, um, a little bit about cameras. I bought a covert cell camera. Mm-hmm. Um, I hung it on our Indiana lease. My plan is to take it to the Kentucky lease. Yeah. Um, do we have anything on that yet? I'm not, you've not given any updates, which makes me think no. we're striking out. We we're striking out. Here's the thing. I put it in an area where there's not a ton of deer traffic. Okay. I get it, but it was easy to get to easy to get out. And I was just, it's just trial. I'm just, it's just there to test when I've sent it a signal from my phone mm-hmm. to take a picture. It works just fine. So now I don't know if there's maybe just no deer have come through there or, or what? So, something else maybe. Yeah, we'll check it out. We'll, we're going to go down there on Sundays. So we'll, we'll check that out. But um, I've always been iffy on cell cameras because the last thing I need is a bunch of notifications or to be checking that camera while we're at work every day. And right. Think, especially when season starts, they go. Yeah, I mean. I got to go. Yeah. I need to get down there. Yeah, too much of an – it feels like it would give you too much of an impulse to – just drop what you're doing and always and just going. We're going to the time of the year in the, in the third quarter, fourth quarter, where you know we don't. When we can get away from right. everything we have going on with the association, we when we can get away, we really we really try to make sure that everything's good when we step out of the office. So right, that just for me would probably be a, too much of a too much of a temptation. I think it is. I mean, and it will be, but especially in Kentucky, I can't get down there right to check them. So we'll see. Hopefully, it works. But the perfect segue into what we're going to talk about for the bulk of the podcast today. Uh, that's the association. That's the, the American hunting lease association and what we're doing, uh, to make things frankly, easier, better, and more affordable. Right. For the hunters that, that use us and, and that are members. Yep. So we've talked about the survey, quote unquote, the survey that we did. And let me just kind of reiterate a little bit what we did. Um, the U S fish and wildlife service completed a survey back in 2016, published the numbers, Published it, it, we're down 2 million hunters. Fair enough. <clears throat> the, the report itself was not biased. It's just a survey, and they just reported the numbers. Mm-hmm. The hunting industry went a little crazy, I think, in the decline. Yep. And I've got a lot of thoughts on that, and <clears throat> we'll do a whole podcast one day where we just talk about the survey. So this is just going to be a little sneak peek into what the survey, the small survey that we did, and what we found out. Um. One of the areas that the hunting industry believes is a problem or partially responsible is hunter access. And this was this is um, a notion that we picked up on before we did the survey. So Correct. we went. This is just what we've seen online with interactions, conversations that we've had with a few people, or just a general sentiment around uh, access in general. Right. So, so going in, I think it's important to, to note that going into the survey, we weren't trying to prove or disprove anything. We just wanted to see 
what results we would get when it comes to hunter access and, and questioning people about it. Right. Because what we heard was, and we've seen, you know, um, the national deer Alliance who, who we support, you know, great group. Yep. Uh, we've had Nick Penzato on the podcast. Uh, they've got a hunter access committee that's, that's looking into this. Um, I don't know of any hunter access information that's out there. I, no. I, I mean, you know, I do what everybody does. I Googled it. I look for it. Right. I don't see it. So when people say, well, hunter access is a problem or hunter access is not a problem, how do you know? Yeah, how do we know? You just feel like it is. You heard enough people complain about public land or this person lost their land to, to somebody who wanted to lease it or this landowner sold their land, so now you quit hunting. It's all anecdotal. and It, it becomes situational. A guy lost his lease to someone who wanted to pay or whatever landowner sold the land whatever the case was a guy loses his access to property he thinks access becomes an issue when in reality you look at the big picture it, it might not be that's 100 percent right it's emotional it's an emotional response they're 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 pissed they're upset you know so people are like oh my gosh well that must be a big problem that's why we're losing hunters not let's just say let's say this not so fast right let's just back up Let's ask hunters what they think of the way they access their hunting ground. And then let's report on it, plain and simple. And that's what we did. Yep. So, yeah, the, the survey itself, and again, I don't want to go too deep into it, but the survey itself is was very specific about how do you access your public or your, excuse me, the way you hunt. Yep. And then we kind of probed a little bit deeper on how do you like it? How satisfied are you? How unsatisfied right. are you? What would you change if you could? And what we found out, by and large, was – most of them are pretty happy with it. Whatever, and, and that's whether they're leasing private land, they hunt private for free, they're hunting public. They own the land? They the own it, and, and they hunt it. More times than not, they're happy with their situation. Well, yeah, overwhelmingly. Overwhelmingly. So I think it was pretty interesting. I know you've dug into the results more than I've even had a chance to, so I'm kind of looking forward to your finished, finished report, and I know we're almost at the last stage, but just everything that I've seen and we've talked about in passing – it makes me think exactly what you just said. Not not so fast. Maybe there's a different narrative here that we need to have a discussion about. I feel like there is. Um, you know the the obvious question is: Well, you guys are into leasing. Of course, you're, you know you're going to do a survey that's pro leasing. No, not, no, we we honestly didn't. And and I, I can tell you this: I got better things to do than to to take on an entire survey. Right. Uh, we've never done that, but neither has anybody else. Right. And there are associations and organizations out there with far more resources than we have that could have done this at any time. Right. Nobody did. And we were in a position where we had industry partners that were not, we are the hunting lease association. So there's a portion, a large portion of our contacts and people that, that we deal with mm -hmm. that, that do lease just sure. by the nature of what sure. we do. But that's why we also made it a point to reach out to our, our partners in the industry and say, Hey, can we get this survey in front of your people? Because these are not leasing people. They're people who like to use an app or they're people who like a certain product and it has nothing to do with leasing, but these are people who hunt. So getting their opinion was more valuable in my, in, in, in my opinion than, you know, even just tapping into our own database of, of customers. It certainly was. And it's, you know, it's, it's very telling and any business and in any industry needs to know your customers. Now in the leasing industry in particular, there has never been a Nobody knows the numbers. How many acres are leased? How many people <clears throat> enjoy a hunting lease? We don't know. One of the problems, <clears throat> excuse me, that I found was the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service in their survey. They count uh, money spent on purchasing land and leasing land in the same category. 
totally different thing. It's the it's the it's the opposite. It's the yeah. alternative to owning your own land is leasing land. So right. I have you know we would have no idea how to read into that. My guess is it's mostly well I, I don't know I mean I it would be a it's guess. it's almost impossible to read into that and and that statistic on its own people can interpret it so many ways but it, the minute you lump in purchasing land and owning land and leasing land like you said that's it's, it's not the same thing it's leasing is the alternative because not everybody is in a position you know like you said yourself included to own and maintain a piece of property so so you lease. Right. And I, and I will continue to lease, you know, I'm thrilled with the, with the, the process, obviously. Um, but, but frankly, well, we leased a piece of ground two years ago. It sucked. It sucked. It wasn't worth a darn, Yep. you know? And, and yeah, that's, that's unfortunate, but I mean, I've had bad meals. I've had bad, I've had all kind of bad experiences. Right. I think that's just taking a, a true you know, objective look at what happened in that situation with us and going, that's not a symptom of leasing being a bad thing. It was, it could be an, it could be a number of different things. It was maybe we were in the wrong location. Maybe the landowner wasn't easy to work with. Maybe I didn't communicate whatever the case is. None of those were true, by the way. I, I know I'm just giving <laughs> examples, but I'm just, I'm just saying there are other factors that go into why that specific situation didn't work for that group right. of hunters. Right. And it, that doesn't mean it's a leasing issue. Correct. Yeah, and, and we just got out of it. Right. And, and I think so far my um, my process when it comes to leasing is to lease for a year, and then if I don't like something, that then I kind of back either look for something new. Yeah. But I, I never jump into a lease and plant food plots and hang dozens of stands and like let's just check it out for a year. That's why we're you know? that's we're just now starting to dabble in that this year this, because exactly. this is our second year on the property. So exactly. So uh, one of the other things, and, and I'll talk about hunter decline briefly, is that there was the survey from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife uh, Service said that we lost two million ish hunters. I think it was two point one or something like that. What they what they report in the body of the report, but not in the numbers, is that one point five million kids under the age of sixteen went hunting so to me now just just that in particular that says well yeah we lost two million out of the top right but we gained 75 percent of that are, are coming back right so you know i, I don't want to i love the hunter recruitment stuff i'm all for it i think it should happen anyway um but i think we should recruit quality hunters you know uh not, not that quality is the wrong word i know what you mean I, I know what you mean responsible hunters and I, you know, I also think that I just kind of lost my train of thought. But I also think that that number, the way you described it, when you start talking about two point one million, that's a, that's a big number. That's there's like a shock value that gets mm-hmm. put on that because the way I, as simple as I think, I, I go, if I could put two million people in a room and say the all these people will are not hunting anymore, of course you're going to be like, wow, that's that's a ton. I mean, we obviously have an issue here if this many people are falling out. But we basically recouped it in youth hunting, and then we still have a core group of people who are going to continue hunt, to hunt their entire lives. So, just hearing the the two million number, naturally, you're going to be like, "Wow, maybe we have an issue here." But like we've been saying a million times, maybe we don't. Maybe maybe everything isn't uh, isn't as catastrophic as it no. as a big number like that would suggest. No, and, I, and I'll tell you where my my mind is going with this. Again, we'll continue some other time, but <clears throat> I don't want hunters more hunters around us. 
on our lease. That's an interesting conversation that I, I definitely, I, I don't think this podcast, I, I think it probably needs its own dedicated <laughs> yeah, it does. time. And so, the yeah, if you're listening or watching, chew on this for a little bit. Yeah. And then think about, you know, the, on the next podcast we talk about this, it'll probably be the next one. Um, if, if you ask anybody in the hunting industry, do we need more hunters? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 100%. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. We need more. It's dying. Okay. Well, do you want more hunters on your property or on the property surrounding your property? Oh, no, 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 no. I don't want any more. You, okay. Well, you can't have them both. You know what's interesting? I, I feel like, and I brought this up when we did the survey. I had a, one of the questions on there was, um, you know, a couple of the questions relate to how do you view hunting and how do you currently and what, why are you passionate about it? And then what do you see the future of hunting be? being and um you know the way some of these guys answered overwhelmingly they all said they wanted to pass on from generation to generation and grow and, and more hunters my my first thing is land's a finite resource sure we're not making any more of it so there's going to be an inflection point where you just you can't have any more hunters unless right. you're willing to have a different hunting experience personally because the more bodies you put out there it's just going to change. It's going to change it. It's game too. It's, there's a limited amount of game, right? You know, every state, uh, manages their herd, their deer herd. If you talk about deer. Right. And so there's, there's not that many running around. And if right. you've got one particular buck running around your area, you don't want more hunters. Right. You and know? I don't, you know, and I don't think I want to make this very clear. I don't think saying that or acknowledging that is an elitist, attitude it's not i mean that's just the reality of the situation because most most guys in a public setting would say i obviously i want the the sport of hunting to grow and continue and and stay healthy that's true same for me but if i'm being 100 percent honest would would i be thrilled if three or four hunters set up on the tree line of our property next to us no i i wouldn't like that that's the problem with counting licenses, which is how they got the number. How many licenses were sold? So if you take a hunter who, by the way, has every right to do this, but he's just going to hunt opening day of shotgun season or rifle season, mm-hmm. and he goes and buys a tag and a license, and then he goes and sits on the stump and you know, doesn't see anything, or maybe he kills a doe or whatever, yeah. and then he's done hunting again. Right. He's done for the year. Is that what you want? I mean, is that who we're trying to recruit into the sport? Is that person going to pass on the tradition? Is he going to carry the flag for hunting? Probably not. No. He just wants some venison. Right. Again, it's his or her right. I have no problem with that. But as an industry, I feel like we're better off recruiting um, hunters that are going to be more engaged in the industry and in the sport. Um, and so I think there's probably a number of hunters that we should be happy with. And I've told you this before. The only reason hunting industry people want more hunters is why money they have something to sell them yeah i've got a product and i want yep. more people to buy it that's why i want more hunters right and that there's some that want this they are concerned about the sport 100 percent. get it i dig it i'm not that's not what we're talking about but the end of day at the end of the day a guy making uh you know scent proof clothing the bigger the market is the the more opportunity he's going to have business. and that's just business and i get that but um, you know, I, th- there's a lot of nuance that goes into this conversation sure, and I can feel us going down the rabbit we hole, are. but <laughs> you know, the, the, the last thing I'll say about it is, um, the guys who are hunting and we've talked about that, how the perception is access may be the issue. 
maybe maybe it's just an unwillingness to um, understand or or update your mindset to what it takes to get that access. And I think that's mm-hmm. a that's a big thing. I cannot, and I've still not heard a good argument for this. I cannot understand why someone would be offended by a landowner wanting monetary compensation for access to their property. Well, we share that. I don't understand I, it either. I just, I, and I've not heard anybody yet give me, a, I've never heard a, an opinion about it. And I go, hmm, yeah, I guess that makes sense. I just, it, it's, it's, you use the golf analogy all the time. You're going to buy clubs and gear and shoes and, and balls and tees and all these things. You think you're just going to walk out on a golf course for free and just start golfing? It does. It just doesn't. On some level, we have to change our thinking about what it takes to get access to property. Okay, I think I have a better analogy. Are you ready for this? Yes. Uh, this occurred to me here about a week ago. If um, you ask a girl out on a date, and finally that girl that you've you've dying to take out finally says yes, or you got up the courage and you said yeah, you know you ask her out, she's like yeah, love to. Okay. And then you go out and you get your hair cut and you buy the the nice looking shoes and sure. some designer jeans and a sure. cool looking shirt. You get your car all washed and waxed and you're ready to go and you go pick her up. She's where are we going? I'm like well. I can only afford McDonald's, so I guess we have to go to McDonald's. Right. Because those, you know, I don't know why. I don't know they, why they charge me for food. I don't food. know why they charge me so much for good food. Yeah. But yeah, well, yeah, because you spent all your money. You decided to spend it all on things that didn't really matter when it comes to showing her a good time. Yeah. You want a second date, you're not going to get one. Improve the experience. Right. Why would you spend money on everything except where the deer live? Yeah. Before you before you do that, it does make sense to me, and I and I get it, man. You, the people haven't thought that way, but in all honesty, there's they have. I mean, again, they just don't like it. They just don't like it. And and I I feel like as we're saying these things out loud, and I'm starting to process them, I feel like it's going to go back to well, it, you're making it a rich man's sport. Uh, well, we're already spending $40 billion a year anyways on it. So how much more of a, a rich man's sport do you think it can, yeah. can possibly become? And you've talked about it before. The key is prioritizing what you want out of your hunting experience. Do you want high-end thousands and thousands of dollars of new gear every year that you can just look cool in? Or do you actually want a true opportunity to hunt and hunt quality game and have safely, safely and have private access to to property and because just, it's there for you yeah and it's really hundreds hundreds of dollars will get you on it with a couple buddies oh 100 percent get you a quality lease yeah it really will so great again great segue into what i want to talk about um several things came out in the survey came to light none of them shocked me but a couple of them were, were surprising um one of the comments that we got threads or, or one of the common comments was Leasing's too expensive. Leasing's too expensive. It's almost like I'm I'm good with leasing, but I can't afford that. That's too much. And I understand, and I, I don't mean to cut no. you off, I do understand in certain scenarios, there are leases. There are leases I can't afford, you can't afford. Right. Just because there are expensive leases doesn't mean leasing is expensive. Correct. It's you. You can walk into a Walmart. Hundred percent agree. You can walk into a Walmart and buy a five or six hundred dollar item. Or you can buy a ten or twenty dollar item. You have options. You're not stuck with just expensive fifty dollar an acre leases. Those do exist. I could go buy a two thousand five F one fifty right now. Suits my needs right. just fine. Yep. Or I can buy a two thousand and nineteen one for 
five times the price. 100%. Does exactly the same thing. Right. Exactly the same thing. So, yeah, you know, it's all relative. It really is. But I wanted to address the, the, the expensive part. Because, frankly, that's what we do. That's why we're here. The American Hunting Lease Association was founded, was created on the fact or the, the notion that we can help people access quality habitat. If you're not, you, maybe you don't go through a broker. Maybe you've eyed that farm down the road, you know, for years. And, you know, so we've created things like the, the, the ways or the, the front the porch secret, kit. Yeah, the front porch the kit, lease the agreement. secret to, to um, accessing private land, all that kind of stuff. In addition to that, though, and we've made no bones about this, our association provides and sells a, a hunting lease liability insurance policy. Since I've been here going on six years, we've had to raise rates one time. Yeah. Okay. We do everything we can to keep the price down. We do everything we can to make the process simple. Mm-hmm. And, and let me talk to you real quick about the, the cost down. We have... We've always used and we've always provided a free lease agreement. Now, this our lease agreement is, as we say, time-tested. Hundreds of times, somebody's like, well, I want my attorney to look at it. Absolutely. Go Have for it. look at it. If you, in, the, in the past, if you'd purchased an uh, insurance policy with us, you get free use of our lease agreement. And by use, I mean, I mean, you could print one off somewhere. But with ours, you get on and you can type in all of your information specific to your lease, your landowner, the number of hunters, the price, any special requirements that, that your landowner has. Yep. You can hit print and you have a binding legal document that can be signed and, and it, it helps with communication and everything. That has been free if you if buy, you buy a, an insurance policy. policy. Uh, a couple of years ago, we decided to make it available to the public for $25. Mm-hmm. And that was fairly popular. There are people looking for that kind of a lease agreement because it's because it's a, it's worth more than twenty five dollars. So people are willing to pay that for it. It certainly is. Um, just a few weeks ago, we were just discussing it, yeah. and let's just make it free, right? So our lease agreement, customizable, by the way, still is one hundred percent free for anybody. Yep. If you need a lease agreement, we are we are putting our money where our mouth is. We support leasing. We support what it does to the sport. We support what it does to preserve habitat. Yep. We support what it does to support the landowners. We're going to make it as easy as possible. That lease agreement is now a standalone free product for anybody that wants it on our website. It's on our website. You can go get it. And and what's more credible than a fully customizable, lawyer-tested proven time-tested lease agreement you walk up to a landowner with a front porch kit or whatever it is and you say hey i have this document for you that goes a long way because landowners they just want some reassurance you know sure they're understanding that is hunting a safe sport 100 percent. it's one of the safest out there do things happen they do this is reality accidents occur so by having some form of a lease agreement if you choose to couple it with liability insurance all you're doing is giving that landowner the peace of mind and and allowing them to be okay with the idea of letting you access their property. That's it. So should we char- in my opinion should we charge $25 for the lease agreement? I think we should because I think it's I think it's worth that and more. But I'm also okay making it free and available to anybody who wants to take advantage of it. Because because it is so valuable and I know that it can promote leasing and that's what we that's what we preach. So let's make it free. 
Absolutely. What's the lease agreement do? Why is the lease agreement so important? Because it's communication. It is a written communication. You sit down with your landowner, say, now, okay, I've got four guys. Is that okay? Good. It's four people. It'll never be more than four unless you're okay with us bringing our kids, and most landowners are. Um, you know, what can we hunt? What, what, I, okay, so you don't want us to use rifles within 300 yards of the house, the homestead. I get it. Yep. ATVs? Just to hang stands and to retrieve game, I, I get it. Now, can I park a camper back there on that back 40? Right. Oh, fantastic. That's what that does. So there should be no surprises in, in the year that you lease this property. You guys all worked all that out, and then you signed the lease agreement. You know, three and a half, three and a half four years ago when I, when I first started, one of the first projects you and I did was shoot a video about what makes a hunting lease successful. The first, I mean, I was two weeks in at this point. The first thing, the first line you said was, uh, it basically was communication is, is key. It's like what makes a, what makes a marriage successful? The same thing that makes a hunting lease successful or vice versa. It's communication. It's open communication, having expectations set and everybody meets those expectations and, and works within those guidelines. That's what this lease agreement does. That's exactly what it does. And we've, we also talked in the same video that uh, to successfully or to complete a successful hunting lease arrangement, what do you need? You need a lease agreement, and you need to address the landowners in particular assets, but everybody's risk. Mm-hmm. And you do that with a with an insurance policy, a, yep. a hunting lease liability insurance policy. The coverages in this, if you go, you could go to QDMA and buy one. You could buy one from the NWTF. You could buy them from who else? Buckmasters, um, or you can buy them from the American Hunting Lease Association. The coverages are almost identical, and there's no there's no reason in in not bringing that up no. because anybody can see that, right? And when I say almost identical, ours is a little better. Yeah, ours is actually if you put your landowner on it, they're going to be a named insured with right. us, not an additional insured. I'm not going to get all the insurancees there, but there is a difference. But there is a slight difference. Named insured, you enjoy a little bit higher level of coverage. Um, the second thing is. You're going to have to purchase this policy. It's a master policy. Yep. If, you, if you don't know what that is, I'll explain it quickly. A master policy is one insurance policy that starts on a particular date. Not your date whenever you call. They probably, most of them start at August 1. Yep. So you, you can get on and you can buy it in September or October or July. But you would have to buy that. August, that policy, August policy and it and it is not prorated correct and the we associ- can't even prorate it no, no one can nobody can the association organization you're buying from typically has one policy and you can get on it so i mean you know if you if you buy it in september you get 11 months basically um, of coverage but now what happens when you get in november or you get in january or you get in may now it's tricky if i got a lease in may and i want to get on it to hang stands <clears throat> and i get on that Last year's August policy. You're up for renewal again. I'm gonna. You got to pay the full price, and then in three months you got to pay it again. Yeah. So again, we're gonna put our money where our mouth is, and we've added a couple policies over the last year, mm-hmm. and we for some reason I just took a little step. I should have taken them all. And now we are. We have a monthly policy. So by that, what I mean, it's not last for a month. It's good for one year, but we have a start date on a, a master policy starting on the first of every single month. Yep. So no matter no matter when you call, if you need coverage the next day, the the you're only going to be missing out on a maximum of three and a half weeks, basically. Yeah. And if you can wait three or four days, you get a full thing. Yeah. If you wait three or four days till full the coverage. next the, the first of next month, you get full coverage. And again, it's just it's 
it's something that we decided to do, really you decided to do, because again, why not? There's no reason not to. It, you know, uh, structurally for our admin team and you and me or whatever, it doesn't change anything for us, it, but it's so much more convenient for the hunter and the landowner. So why wouldn't we do that? You know? Yeah, and, and, and we should have. Everybody, I think, could. They just choose not to because right. it is kind of a hassle. Here's the difference between us and the groups I mentioned a minute ago. This is all we do. Right. Hunting leases is all we do. Right. We don't lease ground, by the way. Nope. You know, we've got a lease spotter, which you can find a lease, but that's a free service again. Um, but no, we promote leasing. And so to that end, this is all we do. We've got we've got a, a, an in-house web development team that, hey, I, we you go to them and say, I need this to happen right here. And then we talk to our insurance partners, of course, and, and they're more than willing yep. to help us out. They, they think it's a great idea. So what, what we're left with are members now that have more options. Yep. Not only do they have more options, that they, they're, they're going to get full coverage. They're going to get a full 12-month value from their purchase with us. We're going to add up to seven landowners to, the, to their policy. No charge. No charge. Another free service. Yep. Why would we do that? Because Cause it's unnecessary to gouge you for excessive landowner fees? Exactly. <laughs> that, is, that is exactly right. I would add that being the, the Hunting Lease Association, we understand how important it is for landowners to participate. So we're going we're gonna to require that they be listed as a named insured. If we require it, we're not going to charge you for it. Right. Hunter, back to what you said a second ago, it's, it's touching a button. I'm not going to charge you $47, $35, or $20. To check a box. To that's, check a box. That's what it that's is. That's exactly what it is. And so, uh, you know, we've asked this in ads before. Why would you pay $47 or any other amount to add your landowner when we can, we'll do it for no charge? Right. And, and the policy prior was cheaper. So the, the base policy is cheaper. We're going to add your landowners. No, no additional charge. fees. You can get full value. You can get a free lease agreement. And why? Is the coverage different? I just mentioned that. No, ours is actually better than some. Yeah, ours with with um, QDMA and WTF um, is identical. Yeah, it's literally identical. Um, with huntinginsurance.com, you know, ours blows theirs away. Yeah, you know, they've got a one thousand dollar med pay. Ours is a five thousand dollar med pay, and that's an important. That's typically that's one of the the, the most used benefits of our coverage. Why be limited to one thousand? When, for no reason. For no reason. Yeah. You know? Just because they don't want to. Right. They, they, that, that person selling that policy just doesn't want, care enough to want <clears throat> to give you the best just possible coverage. Go to their coverage. carrier, yeah. You know, I, it's, it's, um, I get, have these moments when we, when we talk about honey lease insurance where um, this is what we do every day and right. we're passionate about this. I can understand why this might come across as dry to some people, but I think you and I are kind of fired up about it because we're looking at everything that we've done and everything our competitors are doing, or or I should say not doing. And like you said, you kind of take it personal when someone buys an insurance policy from somewhere else just because, you know, you talk about time investment, cost investment. Nobody Nobody's beating us, and we've done that intentionally because the goal is to promote leasing. So why would buying insurance, why would we make that a hurdle in that process? It just doesn't make any sense. So, you know, I... I I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with it. I just feel like this is the platform we're using now to explain some of the, the details that go into why. This platform in and of itself costs us money. Right. But that's okay. It doesn't cost the members money. It doesn't cost anybody anything to download it. 
we want to bring value to you. We Maybe we should put a checkbox that we should we should raise our rates thirty bucks on every policy, right. and it'll funnel into making the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea. Let's back up, um, and I want to talk about the, the couple of the organizations that we that we mentioned. Well, first of all, is QDMA. I, I I we are not in any way, shape, or form anti QDMA, and we think everybody should be a member. Yeah, and so to that end, I would recommend that you purchase your hunting lease liability insurance from us. You'll be saving roughly $75 on their minimum. Yep. And then take some of the 35 from that 75 and join QDMA. The point is, I understand brand loyalty, but I also um, understand you know, cost management too, and expenses and things like that. And it Burning just, money? I mean, it literally just doesn't make, I just, I don't know. I don't get it, but maybe it's because I'm too close to it. it and is. I do, I mean, and well, I see it every You're day. right. We, we, this is what we do. So we do get, you know, fired up. It's a little personal to us, but hey, I'm not going to apologize for that. No. You know, if, 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 as a hunting industry, if we're all in this to, to, to recruit hunters, then we should all be in it to make it easier, more affordable right. to, to enter the sport. Uh, is everybody doing their part? We are. That's all we can control. That's the that's my my biggest takeaway is I think we get fired up about this just because we understand how much work has gone in to be able to set up our structure like this and to be able to offer these things and keep our insurance costs down and not have hidden fees and not have additional charges. There's, there's a lot that goes into that. There's a lot of negotiation you have to do with our insurance partners. There's a lot of work that goes into our, our web team that has to develop the online process, our marketing team, the, the guys to put out the messaging out there. there. There's a lot of moving parts that go into it. And you know, we're just proud of what we're doing that I, right. at the end of the day, I think that's what it is. So, um, I'm not ashamed to talk about it. And, you know, we've never really mentioned any com competitors by name before. I, I think we're just kind of having one of those days where it's just like, yeah, hey, what, what's going on here? Right. Let's just let's have the conversation. Yeah. So um, enough about um, the hunting lease insurance. Let's let's we're going to wrap things up here in the next 10 or 12 minutes. So yeah. let's talk about the trade show. We're going to the Texas Trophy Hunters Trade Show in Fort Worth, Texas in two, three weeks. Two or three weeks. Yeah, yeah. August 9th through the 11th. Um, trade show season for the hunting industry is January, February, March. It doesn't work for us. You know, most of our, uh, most of our members join or purchase policies or do any of that work in July and August. Yeah. So to go, to go to a trade show and spend a bunch of money, it doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. Right. And you know, that's just an expense. Frankly, as members, you don't want us spending because you know, we're trying to keep expenses down. Texas is a big state for us. Yep. Hunt clubs, um, guides and outfitters, all down in Texas. We just we do a lot of business I just can't in wait Texas. To go, man. I'm yeah. excited to go. So yeah, we're gonna be there August 9th through the eleventh. Uh please come by. We're in booth F nine twenty. If you remember that. You come by our booth, mention the podcast, like we'll give you a hat. Yeah. Seem fair? Yeah. I, I think that's more than hat. fair. Yeah. And I still gotta get my hands on a cowboy hat to sport at this show, too. <clears throat> I, I know you think I'm probably joking, but I'm not. I think you're kidding. Okay. <laughs> I've seen you in a baseball hat. Yeah. They don't make flat build you know, cowboy hats. Dude, I'm, I'm good rocking the traditional style. All right. Uh, what else we got? You got any giveaways? You want to talk about that? Sure. Um, everybody who purchases a hunting lease insurance policy here until, uh, what did we decide, the end of July? 
At least. At least through the end of July. Yeah. So every Friday, um, Bobby will come into your office and do a live stream. And we on had Facebook on Facebook. And we had uh, Bob, one of our web developers, uh, create a cool little gadget where literally you just hit a button and it randomly picks a name of someone who's purchased a policy this year. Right. Um, and we send them a Yeti. I mean, it, it, it's as simple send as that. A Yeti right there. It's, if you're watching... It's a Hopper 230. Hopper 230. Let, let's awesome. mention Yeti real quick because uh, from the day I got here, uh, an email was all it took and you know, explained to them what our mission was, what we're attempting to do, what's important to us, what our vision was, and they were on board immediately. Year after year, unwavering support from those guys. Right. And you know, we've, they, they took a little guff last year. Um, we stood up for them. We, we absolutely we stood up for them because they've, they've been here for us. We, we lost some customers over that too. Good. We don't need them. If, yeah. if that's what they, if they're going to leave us over something like that, which and it was minimal, but it was yeah, minimal. But we know the guys at Yeti. We know what they stand for, and uh, it's all good with them. Yeah. So we we appreciate Yeti tremendously. One hundred percent. So good deal, Bobby. You got anything for us? I do. Yeah, I got something for you. So I came across this article yesterday about some like celebrities that you might not know hunted. Okay. And I was and I was looking through the list. I'm like, oh, you know what? I didn't know these these people hunted. So I figured I'd, I'd pull a few for you guys and then added a few on here and see if you guys can figure out which ones do and do not hunt. Do and do not. So okay. I added a few that that I no don't. So there's some there's some there fake are ones some in fake there. ones in here. So I'm I'm gonna go Lady through these. Lady Gaga. <laughs> I don't think she does. Even though she wore a meat dress. <laughs> All right, uh, all right, so here goes uh, one. We got Carl Malone, the basketball player. Carl Malone. Um, you guys think he hunts? I, I don't think so, man. Absolutely, he hunts. No way. Yeah, he's from Utah. He's a big old farm boy. Yeah, he hunts. He does? Yep, yeah. he was on the wow. list. I figured he'd be too old. Also, by the way, I stood next to Carl Malone. He's not seven foot tall. He's only six eleven. It doesn't matter. Oh. Giant human being. After after <laughs> you get over like six nine, it's all the same. The, the, he's the largest human being I've ever stood next to, and he, uh, just because I mean, just he's wide. He's mus- he's he's I got I got courtside huge. seats to a Spurs Pacers game one year when Duncan was still in the league. Yeah, uh, that's I've never seen anything like that. Would you before. want to be that tall? No. Oh my god, I'd do it in a minute. No way, man. Yeah. You, I don't mean this disre- disrespectfully. You're a freak show at that point. And I don't want people staring at me all the time. So, <laughs> fair enough. All right. So I've also uh, this one should be an easy one. Uh, Chris Pratt. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. He did the whole thing where he only. He, he, yeah, he's taking some he heat for for how much he's uh he's kind of pro hunting. He's taken some heat online. I've seen that. Yeah, only, only because only because you know when he when you're a celebrity in a place like California and you're one of the bigger ones, I think there's I think there's a a notion that you should just be uh, liberal and against anything that would traditionally be conservative ideal, which I don't know if hunting is, but I think people associate it with conservative ideals more than more than normal. Here here you go. This is real quick. One of my daughters went on a mission trip to Africa a few years ago. Mm -hmm. She started her own little podcast um, not long ago. And I said, you should, she mentions that she went to Africa and I said, but yeah, but you didn't mention what it was, what you did there. And she's like, eh, she's like, People frown now on, on people going to Africa to help. It's like they think it's just kind of a buzz. It's like grandstanding almost. I'm like, yeah, went to right Africa word. on a mission to help orphans. It's unf- and, and people are are looking down on you for that? It's, it's un- unfortunate, but it's, crazy. You know, it's true. Yeah. That's right. nuts. Lay it on us. You should know this one, Sean. Eddie Vedder? Is he a hunter? No. Oh, I don't think Eddie Vedder hunts, no. does he? No, he does not. No. No, he is not on it's the list. It's too bad, though, because that dude can sing. <laughs> 
All right, here's here's one. Um, we disagree about that, by the way. How about Jewel, the the singer Jewel? Oh, I don't know anything about Jewel, so I'm she's gonna say m- no. She's married to a rodeo guy, so I'm gonna say she does. But I can't get past the fact you said Eddie Vedder can't sing. I just I blacked out. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Jewel does hunt. She yes. does hunt. Yes, and actually, she hunts or she has hunted with her husband. No, she grew up hunting. Oh, okay. So. Perfect. I, I'm assuming she probably still does, but nice. the article yeah. said she, she grew up. Are you games, are you going to have like pictures and stuff? Yeah. I'm okay. Gonna we got to reach out to yeah. these people, by the way. Yeah, that'd be cool. Let's do it. On a podcast. Yeah. Get Jewel down here in Indiana. Well, Jewel's going to be like, no, you're an idiot because why would you assume I don't hunt? I'm like, I don't know. I just, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Here's another one. Tom Brokaw. The... N- no. I don't believe all that he owns. <laughs> He actually does. God, he is does. a hunter. Tom yeah. Brokaw's a hunter. Yeah. You're he, not going to do the ticker thing with how many we get right and wrong. Right? No, not I'm on this one. At this point. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. Here, okay. Here's an easy one for you. Ricky Gervais. Oh. Oh, man. <laughs> no, he definitely doesn't. Okay. I'll say no, but. No, he's so. He's the most outspoken. Oh, he is. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. a, yeah, a PETA <laughs> okay, guy. Yeah. yeah. But he's a conservative. He wears leather. But yeah, but he's a, Repub- a conservative Republican. He wears leather, and I think he's mostly against trophy hunting. Yeah. but also he just doesn't like hunting in general. Yeah, but that's he's a slippery slope because what it becomes yeah, trophy? There's no varying degrees of killing him. Right, an animal. You did or you didn't, and, right. and you know we can get into what's a trophy. So, all right, and then the last one here for you is Eva Longoria. Ugh. Lived in San Antonio. Yeah, but she married a spurned, French guy. Spurned wife of an NBA player. No. Uh, hold on, uh, hold on. Who's no, the, he's trying to trick us. He's giving us Longoria all these names. Wait, hold on, is Evan Long, the Longoria that plays baseball? He's married Evan. to Mia Ham. I don't know who he's married to. I think he's married to Mia Ham. He'll know. Um, you think the brother and sister are named Evan and Eva? I think she does. <laughs> no, I'm gonna say no because I think she he, does. He's conditioned us. He knew I would say no to all these he's things. He's not gonna end it in a hunting podcast on somebody who doesn't hunt. Ready? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, she definitely does. Hunt. Really? <laughs> she was quoted in in an interview saying that she could uh, she could do anything from a rabbit, a snake to a deer. That's awesome. She you can know skin what? Skin all those. So. This is awesome. You know what? Actually, I I like about this game now is is something I should know. But don't <laughs> don't don't judge a book by its cover. I, really, that's what oh, it yeah. is. And it's it's nice that there are people who of that stature of that status in the public eye who are pro hunting it's it's good to have it is people on your team so i agree no i'm encouraged by that actually i sucked at that game but i'm encouraged overall you're better a lot yeah. of those were tricky i i when i was going through the list i was like oh i, I would have never guessed that but hmm. you're right on that cool all righty that's all i got man if you're uh, going out over the the this coming weekend or in the next couple of weeks please be safe yep be smart we want you to get the hunting season um we'll come back with a podcast here probably next week yeah hopefully my voice is Back to being a little bit normal. Cool. Sound good? It was a good one. Right on. Thanks, everybody. The American Hunting Podcast is brought to you by the American Hunting Lease Association. Everything you need to enjoy a safe, successful, and affordable hunting lease all in one place. Resources like the Secret to Hunting Private Land ebook and the Front Porch Kit, both free to download, to time-tested, attorney-approved, customizable lease agreements, and of course, the most affordable hunting lease liability insurance policy you will find. Protect your landowner, yourself, and every member of your hunt club with the AHLA's Complete Risk Management Package. The American Hunting Lease Association, better coverage, better service, all at a better price. The American Hunting Podcast is brought to you by HuntStand.com and the HuntStand app. 
Build detailed maps of your hunting areas, view and share your hunting area maps with their revolutionary online mapping technology, and use advanced tools that let you examine and understand your hunting area. Then print your high-quality, fully customizable map on several types of materials. Download the HuntStand app or print a map. Visit HuntStand.com. Start mapping now.